0: Muddy Waters Clear Vision. Welcome to Muddy Waters Clear Vision, the podcast that dives deep into the journeys of Louisiana's most successful entrepreneurs. We'll traverse their humble beginnings, celebrate the coaches and leaders who guided them, and explore their unique leadership styles. Together, we'll uncover the muddiest moments of their career, the challenges that turned into blessings, the obstacles that transformed into stepping stones. Our guests will pass on their hard-earned lessons to the next generation of entrepreneurs and discuss the enduring impact they aim to make. As we navigate the waters of their past, we'll also glimpse into their future. Where are they heading next? So join us as we chart the path from muddy waters to a clear vision. Jay Dixon with Cortex. Jay, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Jay, what we're talking about today is I really want to think about really your journey, your story, and what's brought you to being this entrepreneur that wants see you get his head banked in every day. And what I'd like to do is really kind of talk about, you know, where his athletics and where have like coaches in your past been an influence or have impacted you in this journey. So before we get started, why don't you, why don't you take us back to the beginning? Jay Dixon. What kind of athletic arenas did you used to hang out in?
1: Guys, so we're, we're going way back. We're like child
0: here. Yeah. Like what sports um, did you play growing up? Man, I played everything.
1: Like I, I clearly did the, the T-ball and the, you know, literally everything that you could do when, mm-hmm. I, when I was very young. It wasn't really until middle school that I got serious with sports. You know, everything before that was kind of the obligation you had to do it. But yeah, seventh, eighth grade. Actually, no, that's not really about fifth grade. I got into boxing. Um, That, that was awesome. That was a, a heck of an experience. I, I could probably go at length on that one, but just to kind of stay on journey. Seventh, eighth grade, I got into football. Really, really, really embraced that. Thought that was great. All the while I was still playing like city league basketball and things like that. When I got yeah. in high school, I added track into the mix. I got really involved with like hurdles and throwing the javelin. And, and, and so it was just, little combination of like team sports and individual sports, and they all had their pluses and minuses and really just, it was a lot of fun. You know, and and even as a, a adult who is clearly way out of shape and not doing anything like that anymore, you know, it's still a lot of fun just reminiscing on the good old days, so to speak, and things I learned, connections I made, friends I made. Yeah, I know I still have today.
0: So I think you're going to be, you know, I don't, I don't think everybody that we interview is going to have the comment about boxing. So tell us a little bit about boxing. What was that one? Like? So that was interesting. Like, I, honestly,
1: I would be lying to you if I told you exactly why I got into it, because I don't remember anymore. <laughs> but I feel like it had something to do with the fact that I was kind of growing up, you know, transitioning from kind of a nerd into a, a man. Right. And somewhere along that way, it felt. Like this would be fun and uh, man, I really wish I could remember like who someone introduced that to, I'm pretty sure it was my father who introduced me to it. And I went to a practice and pretty much immediately just kind of threw me to the wolves and I just walked away going, I love this. Like, this is great. <laughs> <It's
0: awesome. laughs> <laughs> it, it was a lot. and the head combat combat. Water, oh right? God. Yeah. And,
1: and, you know, as I grew up in that arena, just it was, it's so much more than, you know, bashing someone's brains in, you know, it was, it's a dance, it's a technique, it's a style. It's, it was just a heck of a lot of fun. And yeah, was, what other way can you, you know, legally go, you know, punch in my face and then be friends after.
0: So it was just awesome. That is awesome. So that's really cool. And it sounds like you had a diverse mixture of athletics and individual obviously boxing is an individual sport but then also team sport so in that journey was there a coach that you can think back on who's probably had the greatest impact on your cultural journey so i would say
1: several of those coaches made an impact on me in some way or another you know just being a good person or you know seeing troops rally behind someone as far as a standout, though, I, it probably you know, it, if Coach Bucky listens to this, he's going he's gonna to laugh, but probably Coach Vice, who's not with us anymore. He, probably, he made a heck of an impact. Everyone respected that man. Everyone was terrified of that man. He was the, you remember Beavis and Butthead Officer Buzzcut? Yeah. That was Coach Vice. I mean, he had the high and tight. He yelled. He was terrified. He was not a very large man either. And everyone, he was our defensive coach and everyone on the defensive side of the ball did what you were supposed to do. And there was no question when you screwed up. But what was really interesting about him is the moment he was off the field and out of the school, he was like the, the sweetest, nicest, like most down to earth man you ever met, but he, he turned it off and turned it on when appropriate so what did you argue i mean really i you know never thought about this like i I am now until i'm saying it out loud it was a lot it was a lot to do with respect you know everyone respected him and it was because of what he did i mean he is the training he put us through the the authority that he commanded and that that it was you know call it business you know sports and not personal because if he chewed you out but then you saw him later, everything's great. We was like, I said, he's just a good human on. So yeah, I never, this is interesting for myself. I never, never put it to words till just now.
0: So do you see him? Do do you see that influence showing up in your life or in your business? Right. I think I do actually.
1: Maybe sometimes too aggressively thinking back now, but yeah.
0: Strangely enough, I think. And, and you said he's no longer with us. He is not. Yeah. What, what, I mean, what do you think he would, like, what would he say to, to you as a business owner? What would he what say to you today, seeing how you're running your business? What do you think that would be like? I mean, I know that that he would be proud. I mean, I, I did
1: see him several times after I graduated high school, and it was very much like, you could tell that he really truly was interested in what was going on in your life and how you've been. And, and you know, it wasn't just a casual, Hey, how you doing? So yeah, I think if I actually sat down and drew the parallels too, like we're doing right now, which again, i never thought of but yeah, I, I, I imagine he'd be home by that to tell them some of that influence where we are now, where I am now.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And so if you think about coach vice and his leadership style, I love that he used the word respect. Was he somebody who demanded respect or do you think he like it earned it? Oh, he
1: earned it. He, he, I, so we're being intentional with our words. I, I would have said, yes, he demanded respect. But when I say demanded, it's really more commanded respect.
0: Mm-hmm. He
1: didn't ask people to respect them. You just did. And if you didn't, he put you in. So yeah, he earned it.
0: Yeah. And, and I loved hearing about Coach and he sounds like an awesome guy. It's actually funny. He's, it's relating to somebody in my own life of coach who was kind of like that. But I'm curious, what else do you think you took from the arena or the field or, you know, literally the, you know, obviously the boxing? What else of those lessons have you taken, you believe, into your entrepreneurial
1: journey? I mean, clearly the, the team sports, right? Like everybody's gotta play their part, you know, football being, I think one of the best examples because the, every position on the field of football, it it's diverse, right? Like everybody playing basketball has their own positions, but you know, in a pinch, you know, a center can shoot a three, mm. whereas like football, you know, the, the guard is not running up catch pass. So it's, it's very much everybody has a role to play and. The way plays are designed, one small screw-up just makes the whole thing fall apart. You know, out of those 11 people, like 11 are important. You know, a guy steps right, you should have stepped left, and Mm -hmm. now you lost. And potentially, right? So, I think that, I mean, that makes a big impact because it's, like I said, everybody plays their part. It's not just every man for himself, go figure it out.
0: Yeah. And do you... So you're, let's talk about your company real quick, Cortex. You're in mm-hmm. IT. So, Super exciting field. I know. But it's also a field that probably, I mean, just really speaking, there's probably less people who are athletes typically in mm-hmm. IT, right? I mean, of the yeah. people that are on your team, I'm just saying, right? Like how many people on your team play organized sports? Yeah, so
1: that's a fair point. Probably you know, four or five. Yeah. Yeah. So percentage-wise that great.
0: Yeah. So what, what is it, where do you see that, you know, like, do you see that as, or if you look across your organization, do you see the people who have had an opportunity to compete and be on a team? Do you see that being a difference in kind of how they gel with your team now or, or how they work as a team?
1: Yes. Cause I mean, I, I, could, God, this is gonna come out and everybody's gonna know how I was picking on them. Right. Cause I'm calling them out. But there are a couple of people I know that competed solely in individual sports, like boxing, for instance. And yeah, they do treat themselves a little bit like they're on an island, right? Not that they do a bad job, they do a great job. They just do a great job on their own, you know, and, and luckily we have them in a position that they can succeed. in that role on their own. But the, yeah, the people that played a team sport, you do see a little more interested in what others are doing, even if it is not their job, not being nosy or digging into it, but just interested in the other parts of the business. I mean, are we naming names, you know? So, I mean, most recent addition being Paxton, who's played sports his whole life and competitive basketball and everything else. And yeah, I mean, he was with us for a week and comes to me and says, "Hey, I'd like to take some of the other members of the team out to lunch or dinner, and just kind of get to know what they do and how they do it." Absolutely, one hundred percent behind it. I was like, "I'm buying." Yeah, go go do it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
1: So, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of showed through there
0: that his team sport mentality showed up in the business. So, when when we're thinking about this field coming into our organizations, obviously. Big thing of coaching, how would you describe for you within your organization, the difference between management, difference between coaching? So to
1: me, the management is more around the accountability and the making sure things got done when they're supposed to get done, following up on them, staying on top of it. You know, what is the next schedule for this? What day is that happening? Where the coaching is, I feel more around the, okay, so that didn't go well. Let's talk about why that didn't go well. Let's one well, now that we've identified how it fell apart, what do we do to make that better? How do we prevent it from happening
0: again? And what would you say you're like, in if, if you had to quantify time right now, like how much of, well, as the CEO of your organization, how much do you feel like you're studying? Management versus coaching.
1: I mean, unfortunately, probably more management than coaching. Um, although I, I, we do intentionally make time to coach, but still, you know, saying that out loud, it leans more heavily the wrong direction. I were to put a percentage to it, might be more fair. Probably 20%
0: of the week is in management and 10 is in coaching. Yeah. And do you, and do you, I mean, as we sit here today and I know we're kind of unpacking stuff in real time, but do you think that there needs to be more coaching within your organization There needs to be more of that mindset there?
1: Absolutely. You know, we, we've done things in the past, like we've done the daily trivia that I put out there and we've done the lunch and learns and we've done sessions to after hour (laughs) sessions, even on learning, but they always, we, we've done it several times and it's always been well-received but they always kind of fall off at some point. They get deprioritized mm-hmm. and then we remember and bring them back. So it, I need to figure out how to make sure that doesn't happen and just keep doing. It. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What else, Jay, like how else are you seeing? I, I love you talked about the team atmosphere and the football team and the fact that everybody's got their roles and places. Do you feel like that's the, that is Effectively happening inside your organization right now?
1: Absolutely. I mean, we, what, a year and a half now really defined what different roles are and put people that were appropriate, both skill set mm-hmm. and kind of the soft skills appropriate for each role into them. And we have just really been fine tuning that over the last year and a half. So, yes, absolutely.
0: And so if there was somebody sitting in the service right now and they're a brand new entrepreneur, you know, what, how would you be coaching now to where, to, you know, from your mindset? I mean, now you've been a business in Cortex. How many years now is this April? It's five years in April. And you've always been at senior levels and you've had your own things in the past. And also you have a lot of entrepreneurial experience. How would you coach someone? brand new to this, like, Jay, I'm going to start a thing. Like, what is it? What, what advice are you giving now? How are you being coached vice to them?
1: Don't don't do what we keep doing, which (laughs) is go and figure it out and then put structure around it later. Just put structure now. Just, you know, something that we say a lot is like, act like we're bigger than we are. That's, I would say even a one man show, act like you're bigger than you are. Act like you have employees. If you have two or three employees, act like you have 20 employees. You know, build your processes around be bigger than you are right now. Don't focus on where you are right now. Focus on where you want to be.
0: And where do you see, like right now in your entrepreneurial journey, where do you think your growing edge is right now? Where's the place that you need to be stretching yourself to, to get better? Preparing
1: for what is coming down, just the... For us, the landscape has changed, the fixing broken things and the taking care of computers and networks. Like that is the most basic thing we could be doing. What's happening in, I say coming, it's happening here, but it's evolving is just the security around everything, right? Cybersecurity is not optional and insurance companies are making sure that's the case. You know, they're bringing it in and saying, you you can't even operate your business. Regulatory bodies are saying. You can't operate without this insurance. Then the next stage of that is you have, you know, people are buying liability insurance around cyber so that, you know, if they get ransomed, they can pay the ransom. Now there's a precedent that was set in another state that says, well, if that comes from another country, like say Russia or China, we don't pay the ransom because we don't negotiate with terrorists. So now you're having to have this liability insurance that isn't paying the ransom for you. So you're having to take those dollars and redirect even more towards protection and recovery. That's really the big one is just assume you've been hit, assume it's already happened. Can you recover from that? So where I need to spend my time is just making sure we keep adapting towards those new things and towards what's happening because it's it's happened fast. You know, I, I've been in it since the nineties and between you know, between nineties and early two thousands, not a lot changed. You know, and then the beginning of the early two thousands is where kind of the concept of managed IT started. Even then, it really fundamentally didn't change that much. It just took a turn for being proactive. But like what's happening now, there's a fundamental change. Like it is not the same business that it was just even well, even Biden years ago. I have to do my part to make sure the business is moving in the right direction because we
0: cannot stagnate. And, and, and to that point, like I think about the coaching hat, here's to, it seems like you've got a lot of coaching to do externally too. Absolutely. Right. In fact, I had a meeting today. Cause it just seems like how many of your clients are aware, not just your clients, that's bad. How much of our market is really truly aware of the things you just discussed about the real, you know, the kind of the tidal wave, the cybersecurity stuff that's coming our way. I mean, how do you coach your market around that?
1: Awareness is coming. I'm seeing a lot more people talking to us about it instead of us talking to them about it, but it's still a long way away. I mean, there's still a lot of business owners out there that don't believe it can happen to them. And yeah. the reality is that's the first person I happen to because the smaller targets are easier to get picked off than big targets. I, I it, outside of it, I am interested to see where we're going to be 10 years from now, just as a, someone starting business, like how expensive is it going to be to start a business 10 years? You don't just run down to the secretary of state and get something you're going to have to have all these licenses and all these insurances and you know, you're going to have to have providers like us to carry out those types of things. It's going to be ungodly expense, expensive, just open the door. So I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. No, you're yeah, you're right about that. Cause that's something that the last 10 years you've been had to really worry about. It was afterthought and it was oh, we'll get to it.
1: Yeah.
0: So uh, I do want to, I think that's great. And I, and I think, for anyone listening to that, that's obviously like, hey, let's be aware and awake to the fact that that's coming. I want to go back to this. I love, I really love the way you described Coach Weiss and, and what his legacy was or is. If you think about your own leadership style, what, if we just think down the road, what do you want your legacy of a leader as a leader? What would you want the people to remember you as who work for you? want to be remembered as or what i think i'll be remembered as i about we started with what you <laughs> think you'll be remembered as and maybe we'll transition to what you do so
1: i think maybe even hope that i'll be remembered as someone who uh gets very passionate both on the positive and negative side <laughs> of things but only because my drive is always to make something better that something being an employee, being uh, a client, being whatever it may be. Like I always want something to be better. And I do get really
0: passionate, both on positive and hand positive side. When you, okay. So let's unpack that a little bit. Positive. Tell me the positive side of that, but that from your perspective.
1: I get very excited about implementing new things or teaching or shoot really probably a laundry list, but I think those are probably the big ones, like implementing new things and teaching both of those. I get very, very excited about. I get very like outwardly emotional about it. You know, people can see it. I can see it on their faces. I see people walk away from our meetings, excited, pumped, feeling good. You know, they're you know ready to go to work. You know, and that, it excites me. Like some coaching along with that teaching a little bit, but I, I, I like that. I really, and I like to see how people react to that and how and the negative sign's exactly the same way. It's I had no, thankfully no one ever has to say Jay berated them because I don't do that, but do outbursts of emotion, you know, just upset that something should have gone better and didn't and i try and self-contain that as much as i can but you self-containing adam bond yeah um, well
0: so as you think about that too because i'm always interested in the whole leader right? and i always wonder you know well actually we didn't even answer the question what do you want them to to be what do you want your legacy to be i, I hear that but i also think that's just like the maturation of where you are as a leader today Like it's emotionally charged, both positive and negative. But if you get Mm -hmm. down the road, as you start to get more gray hair, which you're starting to stack, I was going to say, I got to keep it short. When you you start stacking them in, where do you, how do you want to, what do you want your legacy to be?
1: It would be really great if more of the positive than negative was remembered. But let's say this I don't want to be known as the know it all. I just want to be remembered as the guy that. Knew where to get it, how to find it, and shows others how to do the same. Because everything has an answer. It's just where you look in, how are you finding it? Those are, those are the things. And I do think that is something I'm very good at. And I think most people I teach are able to pick that up too.
0: Yeah. And you bring that up and that's kind of my next question. What would you, and, and I've done this exercise with you before for, for myself, but I'm just sure, what do you think your unique abilities are?
1: I can figure out anything works. Any, any and, and I don't mean that in the technical sense. I mean that in just a logic sense. I can figure out how anything works. Given enough time, given enough questions, given enough information,
0: I can figure it out. So what else would you say is part of your he what else, yeah. What else would, would people count? Local J, I agree with that. By the way, your your first assessment, uh, figuring, you know. yeah. I mean, I called you today. I said, Hey, you're a good problem solver. I need you to problem. Problem. Yeah, that's fair. I, I need a person pretty. who can do this. And you're like,
1: That's a body, We got, somebody. I don't
0: know.
1: Clarifying Um, questions to fish something out of it.
0: Well, just at the end of the day, where's your confidence highest? Where do you find your energy in doing certain things? Process improvement, both in a
1: conceptual context and in a technical context, like the conceptual be process improvement of, okay, how did this happen? What do we do? What if we do that, That, but wait, no, that's going to affect this, that's going to affect that. Just being able to kind of work through that mentally. And then in a technical sense, just improving processes via like scripting and automation and things of that sort. Like those are kind of the same thing, but different because they both have a similar like logic flow. But
0: yeah. And so are those unique abilities right now a strength of your organization or are they creating threats no no i'd, I'd say a strength as a matter of
1: fact a lot of the like just talk technical a lot of the automation stuff that we have other team members that can do that and they usually will do a lot of things on their own we'll kind of collaborate they'll vet it they'll hit it hey what do you jay what do you think of this oh you know what if you tweet that so a lot of that automation ends up being a positive in some way because you know going back to the security and cyber lot of the, call it the ways in, or just because something just wasn't configured properly, or maybe it was, and it fell out of standards. So being able to build automation around things like that, bring thing back to standards.
0: Yeah. So, so it sounds like you built the team where you're no longer the bottleneck of those. Yes. So that yeah. sometimes, I mean, look, sometimes, yeah.
1: you know, but no, often
0: I don't have to get. Yeah. Awesome. So right now we're facing a different workforce coming, coming to us. This workforce has different needs. They value things different than what we did as, and we're still, young you know, but like in our forties, we value things different. How do you see Cortex or even your own leadership evolving around kind of a changing workforce? So interestingly, we use a lot of terms
1: already that I think are kind of aligned to the new culture. <laughs> Actually, that probably is a big one right there. Culture. We, we do live around, you know, people processes too. Like, you know, we, I've talked about some stuff already that is like external facing, but internally, you know, we've got regular rhythms of meeting with employees one-on-one. And we very literally call those culture check-ins and they kind of start going with, how are you feeling? You know, like we're talking about emotions and and how people are doing more than did you get your work done? You know, so some of that is born from catering to a new workforce. It does yeah. feel you like that? I'm doing it myself. It mm-hmm. feels a lot like emotions are
0: they're the precedent kinda of phrase this. People value a place they
1: feel good more than somewhere they can make a lot of money or grow or, or do the work they want to feel valued and they want to feel like they have a good environment and they want
0: to feel all these different things. And are you pretty entrenched in your belief of that I wouldn't say that I'm entrenched, but it
1: yes. You know, I don't know, Trish is a strong word, but because we do have kind of a split workforce, right? Like we don't have, you know, really boomers or anything, but you know, we've got a lot, we've got myself, we've got Gen Xers, but we had a lot of millennials
0: and yeah, they, they enjoyed. Yeah. And I'm curious too, again, I'm going back to your previous comment about heat and having roles And it just seems like if you guys are embracing that culture, that's really more about how you build a team than it is about how you build a group of people who work together. Absolutely. So, so do you guys feel like you, you are kind of going down this path of team building, it sounds like if you're really kind of focusing on where's their value in this place, do they feel like they're part of a team? Do they, you know, do they do all those things, right? Yes. So then what would you say would be your biggest challenge with that workforce coming to, you know, as you're going to have to hire more people or what do you think is going to be your biggest challenge with it? We haven't faced this yet, but only reading about things.
1: It does seem like this new workforce is, is I don't I don't want to use the word loyal. That's, that's, that's not right, but they are less loyal. Whatever. I'll just use it. They are less loyal, right? You know, the day gone are the days of the. You know, I worked here 35 years until I retired. As a matter of fact, today, I just shared a post on Facebook. You know, my sister's been with State Farm 30 years. That's wow. Yeah. yeah. That's totally. Um, with with the same agency, you know, mm-hmm. for 30 years. I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of that anymore. I think people are much more inclined to you know, go somewhere else to, well, you know what, not, I was going to say, Finished thought. I was going to say, go somewhere else to make more money or go somewhere else to get a new position, but th- there's a lot of laughable moves. There's a lot of just, I'll go somewhere else for the same money because I like it better. You know, they have better hours. I can work from home, you know, those types of things. Where I was kind of building up to that is we haven't seen a whole lot of that ourselves, but everything I read and kind of the studies say, like, that's a huge challenge for some. So I just really had to be prepared that it's a numbers game. And the larger we get, the more we're going to see and really kind of the more reliance on having a good culture to retain
0: them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think in your space, I think in IT where you're always going to have a younger workforce because they, they're just going to be more equipped at the latest technology versus, you know, the dinosaurs. I mean, that's always going to be kind of a challenge out in front of you. I want to take your leadership style in this coaching. And I want to point it to home. Where where are the similarities in your leadership and your coaching style at work that show up at home? Or is it vice versa? I mean, is it just like the polar opposite of that? What's your leadership style at home?
1: I'll make sure I answer this right, just in
0: case, you know. My wife hears in case the boss hears it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Let's be clear, not the boss. You know, I guess it's really not all that different. It's you're doing the same thing. You're kind of making me think live and on the spot here, but it's really not that different. I mean, we, we, everyone's got to play their part. Everybody's got their role, so to speak, taking out trash, doing dishes, whatever it may be. You know, we definitely have to coach through emotion. You know, we're, we are dealing with a lot of feelings. Yeah, short version, I don't think it's that different. It's really not. As a matter of fact, yes, my wife does tell me sometimes, like, you know, gotta, can't treat them like an employee.
0: (laughs) Why not? They are, they (laughs) are on payroll. (laughs) (laughs) They are. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to see how that leadership stuff is not always the same for every person in every environment, you know? And I don't know. I just always think it's interesting that you have people who play a certain role inside of an organization. They go home and they play this totally different role. You know, oh, so I definitely concede a lot more. Okay. There's a whole lot more concession. So it's leadership from behind.
1: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. We'll,
0: we'll put the rear view mirror up on that. Yeah. That's good. Um, what would you, Jay, what would you tell? I mean, so what's so about millennials going to the workforce? So, How would you best equip your kids to go out and get a new job? Like, what are the, what's the, the 30 second advice that you'd give your kids going into their career of all the things you've learned? Hey, these things. So we talk
1: about that a lot. And really, I think it's not all that far off than the advice that we got as kids, right? It's, you know, do 10% more than you are asked to do. You know, if you are on time. For work, you are late. You know, always be yeah. early, all you know, 15 minutes, probably at least. You know, stay busy, look for things to do. Like these are, I'm just thinking through the speeches we have in our house, right? But it's, uh, be, be don't be afraid to make a decision if you have all the information. But on the flip side of that, be, don't present
0: something that is a fact if you don't know everything. These are probably the most common conversations we have. And how much different is that in how you coach your employees? It's not.
1: Not at all. As a matter of fact, I laugh at myself sometimes when I hear myself saying something. It works both ways, right? Saying something to an employee that I've said to my kids and then vice versa, saying something to my kids that I've said to him. It's like, that's kind of funny. You know, internalized. I'm going to laugh at
0: myself sometimes. Awesome, Jay. Well, I really appreciate your time to sit down and kind of talk about your, not only your athlete career, but also, you know, just seeing how all of those experiences in your life are starting to show up, not only in your personal life, but also in your professional life. And, you know, full disclosure, I get a front row seat to watch what you're doing with Cortex. And I'm a huge fan, obviously. Just because I see the team you're building there, I see how hard y'all are working on trying to make the best client experience. I see all the work you're putting into the effort of the processes and defining roles, making sure people have the accountability, not from a negative perspective, but also like on a reward standpoint. And so I think you guys are focusing on the right stuff. I think your leadership is showing up over there. I love hearing this story about Coach Vice. We've never talked about that before. And I don't know, it just seems like, you know, how do we go out? From here from this call to, or from this conversation today and how can we go find the people that maybe get to sit down one day and go, let me tell you about how jay dixon impacted my life and what could that look like right because i think that's how we give back we give back by giving ourselves to others i know you're doing that right now and so it's kind of a for me it's cool to watch you see see you doing that in real time so anyway thanks for coming to be a part of the podcast today and We'll catch up soon. No, appreciate it, man. It was fun. All right, thank you.